0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Breakdown. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. We are joined by Swim Swam editor-in-chief, Braden Keith from Philadelphia, and associate editor Tori Hart from Oakland, California. Guys, what's up? You ready to talk about some swimming news?
1: Um, no. I didn't I didn't watch any swimming this week. So I I don't know. I don't have anything to say, Coleman.
0: Braden has no idea what's going on. Tori, well informed as always. <laughs> So let's get into this. Uh, The biggest news came to us, oddly enough, on a Sunday evening yesterday where uh, Claire Curzan, the number one recruit of the high school girls, high school class of 2022 announced her verbal commitment to that was a drum roll Stanford.
1: That was Uh, a terrible drum roll.
0: (laughs) Which which was kind of a surprise, according to our rumor mill and Intel, uh, a lot of commenters were thinking UVA, but uh, we knew Curzan was taking trips to Stanford and Virginia. She took both trips and now she's headed to the West Coast. What do we think about this decision?
1: I was surprised. I I was I was surprised in the macro. I felt like after trials, uh, Virginia was the choice. Um, that's what it felt like. And obviously she had some extra time with both coaches at the Olympics, which probably, I don't know, either helped or hindered her decision depending on how you, how how she approached it. Um, but it it did feel like the last few weeks she was showing up on social media in a lot of Stanford pictures. So, you know, by the time the decision came, it felt like Stanford, but in June, it it definitely felt like Virginia, you know, if she was waiting for the Olympic trials and the Olympic games to sort of gather that last data point to make her decision, it felt like it was going to be Virginia. Um, but it's Stanford. You know, I think, I think this puts a lot of pressure on, on Greg Meehan. Um, we, we know what happened with the Stanford crew this summer. Um, we know they had some special challenges being in, in Santa Clara County, which took COVID very seriously. But he's now got Tori Husk, he's got Reagan Smith, he's got Claire Curzon, he's got the future of the U.S. Olympic women's swim team on his pool deck. Um, and if they don't perform, I don't, I don't know if, if it necessarily is going to cost him his job because this is swimming and, and it probably takes more than that to cost you your job. But um, this is sort of his chance to rebuild the Stanford legacy so to speak. Um, so the pressure is on starting fall twenty twenty two.
2: Yeah, I will say, I guess, a little bit less kind of tapped into her recruiting situation over the summer. Of course, um, Stanford can you ever really discount Stanford right now? And I think, in a sense, it kind of like you're saying, feels like a new era a little bit out there. They've obviously moved on from from Katie Ledecky, who you know wasn't involved in the NCAA team in recent years, but there was that run of that kind of Leah Neal started like 2012 era-ish where they had a lot of these big names coming in and, um, you know, they were the it team for a long time. Now they had their, their ninth place finish in a, in a fluke year and now they've got their new batch of stars coming in. And, uh, you know, if I'm Claire and, and I've got the opportunity to spend my college career with, with Reagan and with Tori and with, with Taylor Ruck out there, don't think that's much of a shocker to, to pick Stanford.
1: Is there enough room in the butterfly lane at Stanford for all three of those swimmers?
2: some, some hands might get clipped.
0: I was going to say probably not, uh, probably not for no one to get hit,
1: (laughs) but but they do have a lot of lanes at Stanford. So maybe they will be okay. That's true.
0: I I'm wondering, does, what does this say about, you know, choosing, choosing early versus waiting and seeing, because we have not seen the top recruits wait until their fall of their senior year, as it was, 10, 12 years ago, um, in recent history, you know, usually we've seen top recruits, we saw Carson Foster to, cho- you know, announce his fall spring of his, or sorry, spring of his sophomore year. Um, we've seen a lot of these top recruits announce their junior season, either fall or winter. Um, so what does this say? Do, do you think this will be a trend now, um, for the, to the top recruits to start waiting and, and getting more experience and
1: like Braden said, getting more data points? before making their decision. We have seen a little bit more patience um, in the last year than we had in the prior years. And some of that is a rules changes. And some of that is COVID. Um, I don't know. I think Claire is in a unique position. Uh, She's good enough that everybody's going to hold a scholarship for her. uh, And she's she's also got a, a personal situation where if she really wants to go to a school and the scholarship isn't there her parents can probably make it work. Her parents are both doctors. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it, I, I'm not ready to declare this a trendsetter yet. Um, I think she had just had a really difficult decision to make and, and she waited probably about as long as she could. I don't know if, if one school gave her an ultimatum or not, but, you know, at some point you have to be able to release those scholarships um, to, to other athletes. There's sort of a, a limit on this. Um, but I, I don't see this as enough to change a trend. She's a generational type of swimmer and and she can kind of write her own story um, in, in recruiting. But I think, I think most of the swimmers are still going to be racing for those scholarships when they're offered.
2: Yeah. I think it's hard to declare anything a trend really that happened in the last, last year or so, It's just hard to know at this point, but you know, as far as whether I personally think this is a good move, I think absolutely. I mean, I'm not a fan of, really trend of like swimmers and really athletes across all sports committing as early as possible and um there's there's no reason to to rush it in my opinion from the athlete perspective but yeah i i don't know if this will stick
0: so speaking of generational talents uh we saw matt sates who we at one point prophesized as being potentially the next michael phelps uh have an incredible meet at the World Cup in Berlin. He broke world junior records in the Tuner Freestyle at 140.6 and the 200 IM at one, uh, sorry 151.4. He crushed both of those junior records uh, and, and really put himself on the map, especially in, I think, Americans' eyes. It's like, oh, okay, maybe he could be the next Phelps uh what did what did you guys see out of matt states and this this top-notch performance
1: well i think can he's faster than Phelps. Oh,
2: yeah <laughs> can we clarify some of the lore here though did we personally prophesize this phelps thing or was that that was like a branded post right that has maybe happened to work out well in our favor
1: uh, you know, Tori, sometimes what actually happened doesn't matter so much as uh, what we remember to have happened. Uh, but yes, that was a branded post. Um, so we can't take full responsibility for that. Uh, there, That's why we have our disclaimers on our branded posts. But he's faster than Phelps in short course meters, um, which I know doesn't count. For a lot at this point but it was it was fun to see because he keeps getting better every time he swims uh you know he he was having some thoughts about going pro it sounds like right now he's still gonna go to georgia um at least it sounds like georgia is still expecting him to come there you know he feels like one of those swimmers that every time you see him have one of these meets maybe it's gonna change his mind um because the, the south african coaches a lot of them really like their swimmers to stay home but there's not a lot of um, financial opportunities necessarily for swimmers that we've seen that over the last few years the financial struggle struggles of swimmers in South Africa so um, college is probably still the right move for him until such time that the ISL can really really pay these athletes um, sort of a full-time wage uh, I, it's too soon to say next Phelps I don't think we can say that yet um, but man he's he's part of this group with Papavici and uh, uh the the korean kids uh whose name wang su wang su that might be wrong yes uh,
0: sun
1: wang sun wang um so he's he's part of this generation it feels like kind of a golden generation that's gonna peak for for uh the paris olympics and are gonna be a fun to, a lot of fun to watch
2: i think what's particularly cool about him that you know, we don't really get to see with these internationals. Is we often speculate. You know, will they can they translate from long course to short course? And with him, we're getting him. We're getting a preview right now of what his short course career might look like, and we just don't get that very often. I was just kind of basking in in that this weekend, and he doesn't turn 19 until next July, which is pretty crazy as far as just junior record potential goes. Um, and then I think we should also not overlook his 200 free yesterday was like 80 minutes after he wrecked the 4 a.m. field. Like that's incredible. I'm excited to see maybe a, a Kieran Smith, Matt Sates battle, you know, NCAAs this spring. Should he actually go to Georgia? It's just, it's setting up a lot of, a lot of intrigue to come.
0: More Matt Sates intrigue and in sink or swim a little later, uh, but moving on. <clears throat> so keeping it with the world cup, uh, we saw not only juniors, international juniors perform. Uh, we saw team USA bring a huge junior team uh, to Berlin. And I mean, I, I would say they performed really well. Uh, any, any interesting thoughts or tidbits that you guys, uh, took away from team USA, bringing such a big junior team to Berlin.
1: This was kind of a makeup year in some regards, cause they, they needed to sort of keep that junior carrot dangling after, after so much got missed, um, COVID, but it was, I think it was a lot of fun to see like a Lydia Jacoby. So often we see these high school swimmers break out and then we don't get to sort of see them against the world's best again until the next world championship or the next Olympic games. So I think it was a lot of fun to see her race like, um, Anastasia Gorbinko and, and Yefimova, some of the, the world's other good young breaststrokers. I think that's just, I think it's fun. I love this idea. I love our juniors getting more sort of senior level international exposure because most of the world has, has a lot of that. Um, you know, Anastasia Gorbinko has been swimming senior international meets since she was 14 or 15, and she wasn't competitive at 14 or 15, but you could see the potential that was there. Um, so I think that I, I love the idea. I think they need to continue this. I wouldn't hate to see them expand it maybe send two teams, um, maybe send a team to the Mari Nostrum in the spring, use, use like winter juniors to pick a, another team for a spring meet or something. Um, but it's a very cool program.
2: Yeah. My biggest takeaway is mostly is just, it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to lie. I was not super familiar with some of these names that are out there. And I think meets like this are, are a great opportunity to get them that exposure and kind of get them on, on the radar early. Um, also super fun. They were able to line up those, um, those uh, mixed medley and mixed—I believe the freestyle really also uh, got a world junior record—and um, that's the the mixed medley. They took down one that was done by I think it was Reagan Smith, uh, Michael Andrew, Alex Walsh, and Trey Freeman, which is obviously a lot of big names a few years ago, comparatively big name wise. Um, pretty pretty fun, and I think yeah, it's just like who are these people, and and maybe I should be following them closer now.
0: Agreed. I mean to get, to give our listeners some names. Uh, yeah, Tori, you're absolutely right. It was Walsh, Andrew Smith, and Freeman who had that mixed medley world record in 2017. And now we've got (laughs) Quentin McCarty, uh, Zaire Fawn, Tess Howley, and Christina Pagel, who, if you're a true swim fan, some of those names should ring a bell, but you know, these are up and coming kids who, who have made noise in their own right. But as Brayden was saying, not quite necessarily on the international stage. And so super cool to see them get to break out. Uh,
1: well, know. and they're all, they're all zoned in for short course, right? Cause they're all high school swimmers. So they they've got the short course mentality right now, you know, Mel gold medal, Mel Stewart has this sort of idea that um, in America, swimmers just try harder and short course because of the, the motivation and everything, you know, the team stuff that goes along with it. And he thinks swimmers get a little lazy in long course. A lot of the, the swimmers who are still in school, but these swimmers are, are dialed in for short course. Um, so it's, I think, I think it's cool that the world cup is in short course this year. And we kind of got to see them sort of peak short course in their careers and, you know, peak short course meet, so to speak.
0: So, uh, keeping it with, keeping it in the short course meter pool. Let's move to ISL. We saw the regular season wrap with the, as a lot of the athletes are calling it the ISL death match. Love that. uh, That's
1: <laughs> the best ever
0: of the, the first ever play in match uh, where team iron and DC trident uh, are took, took the top two spots, DC trident, getting their first ever ISL win. We, we already did the podcast where Braden, Said I told you so. <clears throat> and uh DC won. So obviously I saw some things that surprised me because I didn't see DC moving on. But after the, you know, the, the match concludes. Did you guys see anything surprising? Anything that could make you say, okay, maybe this team might shock us in the playoffs, or was it pretty standard in terms of okay, iron and DC are moving on, but it's it's gonna be by the numbers come playoffs?
1: No, the gap to the, the top five is so big still. And furthermore, the top five teams are where most of those big names that we've seen hold out till the playoffs are going to be coming back to. So that gap is going to get bigger. Um, you know, one takeaway from this for me was the two teams that really struggled with the draft, which were uh, Tokyo and the breakers, were also the last two teams. Did we talk about this last week? We might have. Um, yeah, it, you know. I think this meet was close enough where those margins kind of start to matter, especially the breakers. I think they, they forfeited a fourth round pick. Um, So, you know, this was cool because it was a balanced competitive meet, right? Like that's what, that's what made it fun where you can start to see these, these things matter, these draft picks, um, you know, it's still the draft is still not, good enough to where it's going to close the gap between any of these teams and the Cali condors. It, it's just a, a chasm right now, but um, you know, it, this shows, I think this match showed what these meets can be if, if they can get competitive balance in the league. I think this showed the potential of the format um, which had grown a little stale throughout the regular season, throughout last regular season, for for me at least. And I know for a lot of people, it became a little stale with the predictability of it. But I think this showed the potential of what a competitive match can do for the excitement levels.
2: Yeah, I will say I missed out a little bit of the excitement because this match was going down at 4 a.m. my time, and I did not rally to to watch, unfortunately. But just kind of reading up after it and getting caught up, um, exciting to see uh, Ryan Hoffer coming through in a big way when, it, when his team needed him. And, I, you know, it makes me wonder, though, like what D.C. Trident has left, if they kind of left it all out there to, to make it to the playoffs and to get this win and, you know, how much more they have in them um, going forward. Also looking at the results, you know, not, not directly related to – the playoffs going forward, but do we have any sense of kind of what's going on with, with uh, Vlad Morozov? He's kind of like having a bit of a downtime. And I just, that really stuck out to me, just looking over the results.
1: I wonder if his career is over. I wonder if this is his, his last goodbye because he didn't have a good Olympics. He did, He's not having a, a good season here. Um, we don't, I, I haven't heard anything specific, you know, on the record or off the record um, might just be that time in his career.
0: Well, and also I, I don't think we've seen him really perform since before COVID. Um, I mean, ISL season one, he was kind of like him, his typical self, what we've seen out of him at world cups, where he, he, he was, you know, skins champion, a whole bunch doing a bunch of races, doing them really well. And then COVID and then season two of ISL, he, he switched to Tokyo from iron and, and was stale olympics stale he season three you know he just he hasn't put up the performances we've become accustomed to to seeing from him especially in short course over you know from 2014 to 2018 19 so i don't i don't know what his situation was during covid but maybe that had something to do with it and like Braden said you know he's he's had a long career at this point so maybe
1: they, they needed a full-strength lad if they were going to have a chance, I think. Um, in hindsight, that's even more clear than it was going into the meet for some of us, Coleman. Um, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like what we've seen with Katinka lately. It, 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 this ISL provides an opportunity for swimmers to pull out the end of their careers. Like um, Federica Pellegrini is getting a, a huge victory lap in her home country with this, and she's going to retire after this but it can also create some painful moments where athletes for one reason or another are not, not, not just not at their peak performance, but are truly fading. Um, be that for they're just not training as hard as they used to, or their age is catching up, whatever the reason is, um, it it can create some painful moments to watch swim. And, And I think, I think probably for Vlad fans, last week was pretty hard to watch.
0: Going back to what, something Braden mentioned earlier, I think the draft has has added that level of evening the playing field. <laughs> Obviously, we're not there yet, but um, again, thinking as you were, as Braden was saying that, I'm just thinking about the NBA, right? And like the top teams are always going to be the top teams. They have their superstars, whatever reason it is. So I, I feel like the next step for ISL you know, they've done the draft and they've done it well. So the next, the next step is trades, right? When are we going to see in the off season ISL teams actually be able to like trade contracts with, with, uh, with star swimmers and see, you know, some of the bottom teams maybe give away players and, and get a superstar of their own, because I think that makes a big difference.
1: Yeah. I don't, you know, I, we need contracts before we have trades. Um, you have to you have to start once you get into trades, things get very complicated. You have to start asking, has the ISL shown that they can manage sort of that level of intricacy? Um, and I'm I'm not trying to be snide, but like we didn't get the the schedule for match one until a few hours before match one. How can we expect to manage trades? So you know, maybe they'll come in and be sort of rudimentary and blunt, but I you know, I also don't know. I don't know that that really solves the problem either, right? Because what there's, I don't think there's any trade. If Cali and energy just decide to sit on their rosters and not trade away their stars, I don't think there's really anything anybody else can do to catch them. So I don't know how you're going to motivate those teams to trade. You need a salary cap. You need uh, different, different salaries for different athletes. To me, trades are like the third or fourth thing in a progression That they need to follow the draft with they need to have a true free agency market they need to have bids for play for athletes so that they don't all just go to Cali because they know they can make the most money at Cali so trades to me is is pretty far down the the road of things that ISL needs to do to make this thing more competitive.
2: Sounds like a um, massive headache for us Is the only thing i have to say about that just imagining the formulas that get posted for calculating like trade value or something and us sitting around having to decipher those
1: it's okay it's they won't bad. tell us they they're not going to tell us when any of it happens just the week before the season starts they'll just give us the new rosters and then we'll go through and figure out what trades happened.
0: <laughs> Well, this is why I am not a major sports league commissioner because I don't think of these things, but (laughs) moving on to, uh, to some international and national news, Mike Unger of USA swimming announced he was leaving USA swimming to go work for FINA. Uh, Mike Unger has been with USA swimming for a long time. A lot of contributions to USA swimming. He's won an Emmy for his work with NBC on the Olympics, uh, does, does what is this? What do you guys think this says about uh, USA Swimming moving forward, especially under you know relatively new CEO Tim Henshey? I,
1: you know, I think there's good, good and bad to this. I think this is a great move for FINA because where they're at developmentally and with some of the things they're trying to do, they need somebody who has the relationships and the experience um, of Mike Unger to push themselves forward as sort of a, a media entity, so to speak. Um, and we, the, the world cut stream was not good last week. Um, there were lots of issues with it. So they need somebody like him. If they want to start selling rights to these meets in different markets, you know, I think he brings a lot of value to FINA where they're at, um, USA swimming is a little more complicated because USA swimming is, is sort of more mature in those things. And Mike Unger has a lot, a lot to do with that, um, his work through the years, but at the same time, he was from the Chuck Wilgus area era and all the sort of internal problems that go with that. And he's kind of the last domino to fall from that Chuck Wilgus era. Um, you know, he was, a lot of people wanted him to take over that job when they gave it to Tim Hinchey. So there's become sort of a, a rivalry. You can see it in the comments, you can see it on social media. There's, there's kind of The public has painted a Mike Unger versus Tim Hinchy rivalry. Um, You know, what I do think is interesting is that people want USA Swimming to cut executive pay. Mike Unger made a lot of money, and whoever replaces him will probably make about half of what he made. So this is a move that cuts executive salaries. So if we say we want them to cut executive salaries... And they do that. We can't also say, Oh, you got to keep Mike on guard because Mike wasn't going to take a 50% pay cut to stay on at the same job. Um, That's no, who would, Um, and you can't blame him for that because who would, who would, who would do that? Um, But, you know, I think, I think this is Tim Hinchey. I think he's got a plan. Um, He's had a few rough moments early in his tenure, most famously him, Saying that he hadn't read the um, the the USA Swimming Code of Conduct in front of a congressional hearing, which is really not a good look. But I do think he has a big vision for transforming USA Swimming, and I think he's going to need until LA 2028 to do that. Um, and and Mike Unger probably wouldn't be around by 2028 anyway. He probably would have retired by then, one way or the other. Um, so, you know, I think I think if this as uh, you know, people are treating this as a referendum of Tim Hinchy, and I think it's too early for that. I think we don't know yet whether um, whether Tim Hinch the Tim Hinchy era is successful or not. I do know there's a lot of we have seen him go to war with USA swimming coaches um, on on multiple fronts, both with regards to the makeup of the House of Delegates, which they had kind of a public back and forth about. Um, in terms of USA Swimming, taking some of the training stuff back from ASCA. That's been another front that they've battled on. So he's lost the coaches, and coaches are a very influential voice in USA Swimming. So if he wants to do everything he wants to do, I think he now has to figure out how to win the coaches back, how to prove to the coaches that what he's doing is in their best interest as as much as everybody else's.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard to, you know, make a definitive judgment on how this will impact USA swimming until we see who's replacing him and how they, they plan to handle that. And um curious to see, but certainly big shoes to fill. But don't have much to add other than Braden's insight.
0: That is obviously more of a <laughs> behind behind the curtain look, but that's our news for the day. And now it's time for our favorite segment on the swim breakdown. Sink, Sink or swim. We've seen so much short course meters racing lately, uh, and we've seen this in the past, and now it might make a resurgence or at least there's rumblings. Should the NCAA championship meet be short course meters, sink or swim?
1: Sink. I, I like short course meters. I like short course yards. I like the NCAA having its own course that the rest of the world doesn't swim to where you can compare the NCAA to the NCAA and then fight sort of nebulously about how those two things interact with each other. So I, I love the battle. So I am sinking the NCAA in short course meters.
2: Yeah. I'll sink it as well, mostly just because that would be another headache to try to manage if they do that more often. Um, I will plug, uh, Ah, uh, Ben Dornan's article that was breaking down the the latest or the the updated list of um, World Junior records for short course meters, or was it American records? Now I'm totally blanking.
0: It was American Junior uh, records.
2: American Junior records. Okay, still a good article. Still showed a lot of uh, research and and insight into the past years of short course meters, but getting those that 2000, 2004 NCAs that's in there just like Ugh. made it difficult and yeah. Tori's a I true definitely.
1: journalist. She, she <laughs> cheers mean, for whatever makes her job easier. Yeah,
2: exactly. But, um, you know, could I be persuaded that a long course NCAAs in an Olympic year might be fun? Maybe.
1: Maybe.
0: Uh, I was going to follow up with a 1B of of should NCAAs be short course meters on the Olympic years, but you guys have made your views clear. So we're just going to go to the next one. Uh, we talked about Matt Sates. We're circling back. This is, this this is a very concise question though. Will Matt Sates show up in Athens as expected and and compete for Georgia sink or swim
1: Athens, Greece. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) I'm sure that seems like a, Oh, Athens, Georgia. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to swim it. I'm not convinced he's going to use all of his four seasons of eligibility, but I think he'll show up.
2: I swim in as well. He has connections to the coaches there and, and there's kind of a South African that's been established. And, uh, you know, I think he knew that going in and knew what was on the table. And, um, I think he still shows up.
0: All right, moving on, uh, overall the Berlin world cup, we not only saw a lot of fast juniors, we just saw a lot, a lot of fast swimming period with, uh, many of ISL stars coming off that. And, Really putting down some solid swims overall. Were you impressed with this first stop of the 2021 World Cup, especially coming off of ISL? Sink or swim.
1: I'm swimming it. You know, I think the juniors is what made it. The American juniors, Matt States, the swimmers who aren't in ISL. There's still enough swimmers who aren't in ISL who I think make this fun. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, and this is maybe the the biggest influence point we've seen of the ISL in the broader swim conversation so far, but, uh, it used to be, Oh, you know, Tennessee volunteers at the world cup or, you know, British Olympians at the world cup. Now it's DC Trident at the world cup, Cali condors at the world cup. So I, I think it's cool that the ISL is sort of giving the pro swimmers, um, a, an independent professional identity to go to these other meets with. I think that's really fun to see. Um, but overall, I think it was the sort of novelty of the juniors joining the meets um, that that made these fun.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I saw it as well, mostly just because of the kind of unexpected, the unexpected ex- excitement we get to see there in short course meters. I think also to see someone like uh, Gorbanco, like coming away with the highest prize money kind of random, it feels like. But that's a cool opportunity for her to go out there and pick up an extra twelve thousand bucks. So.
1: Tori that's that's three agreements Coleman we need the next one to be something we're gonna fight over
0: okay let me uh see what I've got in my bag of tricks here oh all right uh the NCAA we had a big weekend especially on the women's side with the last two NCAA championship teams getting their uh kicking off their seasons we saw the uva blue and orange inner squad and we saw stanford's first dual meet with san jose state instead of sinking or swimming we're just going to pit you guys up against each other are you going stanford or virginia as the more impressive weekend
1: oh virginia those 50 freestylers the the 21 mids and the 50 free um you know virginia swam more off events than or sorry more on events than most teams do in their opening meet so we have to Sort of contextualize that, but the Virginia Times they're running they're running towards a second straight NCAA championship um, if they keep this up. They have a goofy format next week with Georgetown where they're doing like flip turn races and stuff. So you know, I think Virginia's got the momentum. I think they're having fun. I think Virginia had the better weekend.
2: Well, I'm going to Stanford. I think a huge thing is just they had their Olympians out there. They showed up. Everyone showed up who was supposed to be there. Um, we, f- we saw from Tori Husk her freestyle range. Um, for them, obviously, they were going against San Jose State. It wasn't a matter of winning or losing that we're looking at here. But um, Husk was 22-6 in the 50s. She went a best time in the 500, won that event. We saw Reagan throw down a 500 as well. I think people forget and kind of sleep on her. She's a 437-500 freestyler. I think it's also just funny, like, from a, from a college dynamics perspective, like, you've got your Olympian out there doing kind of, like – the the classic freshman 500 I don't know if other teams said that but we you know everyone just has to take their stab at the 500 cool to see her taking one for the team there even though she was uh exhibitioned we had um uh Taylor Ruck doing I what I think was her first hundred fly since 2017 as far as I could look look up um
1: did cool good research
2: there. a little bit you know Brandon, <laughs> this is not my full-time job I have to put in a little effort to just like come up with things to say against you so <laughs> did a little bit of research here um And then, so Reagan
1: Smith can go 437 in the 500 free, but what did she go?
2: She went 451. 451, Yeah. Okay. So
1: Virginia had the better weekend.
2: Yeah. But she was exhibition. Didn't even count.
1: So exactly. So (laughs) didn't even count.
2: To end, you know, the be all end all, Stanford came away from the weekend with Claire Curzon on their future roster. They had to win the weekend.
1: She didn't even swim.
0: Oh, that's a dagger. (laughs) That is a dagger. Uh, (laughs) All right. Moving on from the NCAA to round out uh, our breakdown here. We saw a lot of action outside of the pool with both Adam Petey and Pernilla Bluma uh, on their country's respective dancing shows. Uh, who, do, who are you more impressed with out on the dance floor this week? Uh, Pernilla or Petey?
1: Pernilla, Adam, get back in the pool. <laughs> I, am, I am sinking Adam Petey on strictly come dancing Adam, you need to get back to the pool. You need to come back for the playoffs. Uh, Take it to Vegas. Adam Petey will not win strictly come dancing this season.
0: Braden, you said last week he would. Coleman, Coleman, what did you have for breakfast this morning? You have no idea what happened last week. take it to the
1: house. Petey's winning. That was then. This is now, Coleman. Live in the present.
2: (laughs) I will say I watched about one second of of Petey's dance and shut it off out of just like pure cringe uh it was not the same pd that we saw i think it was last week or the week before when we talked about him where he looked like i think i said he looked like a dancer i'm seeing more of the the lock esque style coming out of him now so uh i do not think he'll win anymore they also did, only advanced by one
1: point i did like his outfit better week two i thought his outfit was his, the his suspenders kit. And, his kit. and slacks yeah, and yeah, the glasses, and the the yeah. i like Listen. that better than the, than the deep V. coleman of course you like the deep v
0: well, <laughs> no, I did like his outfit better this this week. But I will say, their their dance, PD's dance this week was less impressive than week one. But I'm 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 swimming PD's dance all the way just because of the push up jump. He he pushes he vaults over uh, Kyla. Is that her name? He vaults over his partner from a push up. Uh, she rolls under him. I thought that was awesome. He shows off his huge buffness. And that, and uh, and he moves on by one point. I mean, he touched out the comp his competition to get into the next round. So try that um,
1: move, Coleman. It's not that hard. It's not <laughs> nearly as hard as you think it is.
0: All right. Well, he still pulled it off on live TV. I was impressed. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> all right. Uh, that is this week's news in swimming with me, Braden Tory on the Swim Swim Breakdown. Stay tuned next week for next week's edition of the Swim Swim Breakdown. <laughs>